And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, before we get to one of my favorite guests on the show, Matt Mungle of the Entertainment Answer, a little bit of a tease a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be talking about the woke tricks. Now, what is the woke tricks? Unfortunately, just like the Matrix, no one can be told what the woke tricks is. You have to see it for yourself. Stay tuned for that. Matt's intrigued and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but it's in with Matt Mungle of the Entertainment Answer and Mungle Show podcast and radio commentary. Go to mungleshow.com and the entertainmentanswer.com. It's time for 15 minutes of Mungle, not fame. And Matt, you've had enough time now to kind of catch up on all the things that you were either falling asleep on or we really weren't on the same page with between the last chat and this chat. How the heck are you? I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing well. Always good to talk to you and to catch up on some things. And uh, yeah, it's just it's been a good time. January's always slow, you know, but uh, it's been it's been good. Well, that's good. And I'm interested to see what you've been watching. But first, you've had enough time, even after falling asleep 97 times on The Matrix Resurrections. I think it was a worthy installment to the franchise. Have you seen The Matrix Resurrections? And what did you think? I didn't. I didn't. I remember the last time we talked, the last time we talked, I told you about my syndrome that I have. You did. You did. And and I tried it a couple more times, couldn't get through it. And then it got to the point where it was like, why bother? Why why watch it now? So I mean, it's still in my it's still in my HBO Max uh, area. There, it's still there. It looks at me. It taunts me every time I go into the streaming channel, uh, saying, "Why aren't you watching me? I know you're drowsy. Come watch me." Uh, but I haven't. I just haven't been able to, and now I just, I don't know. Now well, what'll be interesting, it'll be a goal. For 2022, we want to have a spoiler review from Matt Mungle about The Matrix Resurrections. Matt, I think we can do it. We can give you 365. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit that before the end of the year, that's going to be on there. Wow, Excellent. Now, something you might want to check out in the meantime, going to be talking about it a little bit later on in the show, a little bit of a parody. Go to YouTube, search for Brave Books, a brand new book company that I think you're going to love really about teaching conservative principles to our children. And they do a little bit of a parody talking about the woke culture in America. It's a little two minute short, but it is something that I think is right up your alley. Go check it out. It's called The Woke Tricks. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I, I've, I've heard a little bit about it. I know you spoke about it, so uh, I'm interested to see. I like I like parodies like that. I like when they take something like the Matrix and kind of revolve it around and put some fun to it. So I'm interested to go out there and check it out. Excellent. Well, now it's also been breaking all kinds of records at the box office. Spider-Man No Way Home. I didn't know it was doing this well. Looking at the charts right now, top lifetime grosses for movies of all time. Sitting at number four is Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I know you have to have seen Spidey because all the talk of the town was Spider-Man No Way Home. Is it worth the price of admission, Matt? What did you think? Yes, absolutely. It is by far my favorite Spider-Man film of all the franchises, whether you go back to Toby, whether you do Andrew Garfield, whether you do the animated series, the new ones with Tom. Uh, it is by far one of the best best Spider-Man movies and probably in my top three Marvel films of all time. They really just nailed it with this one, with emotion, with heart with bringing in some people from the past. I don't want to give too much away there, but just how all that synergy worked together, it was just, it was spectacular. So I'm not really surprised that it's at number four, 
only because, for one, there wasn't a lot in the theaters when this came out, and the buzz around it, and people wanted, they were gravitating for something huge on the big screen. So I'm excited to see it up there at number four. Definitely my favorite Spider-Man movie. Like you, it is in my top three. As of right now, I think it's right behind the original Iron Man. I mean, it is lights out in so many ways. Spoiler warning in four, three, two, one. When you bring Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, okay, for me, mainly Tobey Maguire, back into the big picture, and not just as kind of like a two-second cameo. I mean, they had a significant part to the story and really brought a whole new dynamic to the Spider-Man universe. And then to have the main villain back as the Green Goblin, one of my favorite actors, William Dafoe, it was lights out, just a solid ride. Yeah, I, I agree. And they and they did a lot to set it up. I know Andrew Garfield, he was doing some tours for Tick, Tick, Boom at the end of the year. And everybody was asking him, are you going to get your own franchise back? You know, because they, they set it up where they don't have to. There's no need to. But they easily could bring either one of those back for an alternate verse Spider-Man continuation of their character. So and it would be interesting if they did that, goes. Matt, because then the villains go back. So then you see like Green Goblin supposedly goes back into that moment and things have changed to see what happens now with Norman Osborn or with Doc Ock. Do they go down the villain route or is there a new dynamic to where they're reborn as a whole new character? It would, it would be interesting. I know. Yeah. Thanks to Loki. You can do anything, anywhere, anytime now. Exactly. For all time, always, Matt. I mean, you got to get on board with the whole Loki is the one of the greatest things since sliced breads motifs. Come on. Nope. But anyway, I'm <laughs> I love the character, wasn't happy about the series. And I know this is off topic a little bit, so I don't want to spend too much time, but don't you think it's interesting that Star Wars Episode Seven, as the number one grossing film, Avengers Endgame and Avatar, those aren't the greatest films that we would go back and watch. To me, Episode Seven of Star Wars is not the best Star Wars film, and probably not one I go back and watch just to watch. So it, it being the grossest the film that grosses the most doesn't necessarily make it a great film. Always no, that is very, very true. I mean, you know, a lot of people's favorite, including mine, is The Empire Strikes Back. And you would think, I mean, I know there's inflation, but that should have been by far way above The Force Awakens. So again, that is something to take with a grain of salt, depending on where it falls on the charts. But it's just interesting perspective. Oh, it is. It is totally. And that doesn't take away from people on that chart. But now the number of screens that you have, I mean, you used to have one one screen in a, exactly. in a town and now you've got 20. So there's a lot in that. So that doesn't take away. I just always think it's fun to watch those and see. It's like the Oscars. You go back and see who won Best Oscar. And you're like, I'm never going to watch that movie again, but I'm going to watch all the nominees. It's interesting on that perspective. Sometimes I'll say, I want to see every movie that is nominated for Best Picture. And then you'll go and you'll watch them. And they're not necessarily your favorite movies. Like, I would pick more a lot of the independent films that just grab me more regularly than some of these big blockbusters, Matt. That's, that's the way it works. I think we're all, everybody's on that page. It's fun to watch the Oscars. And again, it doesn't take away from those that win. But as 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 entertainment goes, a lot of times they're not the best entertainment. They might be the best made film or they do not do something intriguing, but entertainment wise, it's not always on everybody's radar. Let's get back to it with Matt Mungle of the Entertainment Answer, the entertainmentanswer.com, mungleshow.com, and the radio commentary heard across the Salem radio networks. Now, something that we are both excited about, the book of Boba Fett. You're a Star Wars fan. I'm a Star Wars fan. I've seen five of the six. Don't spoil episode six, although I kind of know who makes an appearance and who doesn't. But for me, honestly, Matt, the series has been a little hit and miss. Episode one started off a little slow. I had a hard time paying attention. Same thing with episode three. 
it just didn't hit home for me. But then you started getting into the backstory of the Sand People in Episode 2, which I still want to see more of, the tribes of Tatooine. And it really humanized the race of the Sand People. I just thought it was lights out, seeing Boba work with them, kind of being incorporated into their world. And then... The return of the Mandalorian, which is what the series needed. And your perspective, you know, Boba Fett was not in that episode, but he doesn't need to be. Because as my son pointed out, iconic Boba Fett was barely in the original Star Wars movies. So you can have an entire episode of Boba Fett, but he doesn't necessarily need to be there. That's the fun of this character. You know, I guess, I guess it goes back and forth. I had so many conversations about this, and I agree with you on, on your initial points. Uh, episode one was slow. I was worried about the series. Episode two was out of the park, uh, and then I got intrigued enough that for me, watching, reliving all the stuff on Tatooine, seeing Jabba's old uh, old castle, old palace, and seeing some of that resurrected, and just walking the streets, you know, uh, there was was so iconic to me that that I loved it. Seeing the sand people and the Jawas, there was a lot of action in there. So I loved it, uh, and I wondered like what they were going to do, and then you're right. They bring back the Mandalorian, who hijacked this series. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but he literally hijacked this series. And yeah, Boba Fett wasn't in a lot of the films a lot of the time, but this is the book of Boba Fett. So you, you, you think it would be about him, and I had some discussions earlier with some people about if Jon Favreau, if they planned this because they were wondering if, if things get a little slow, in this, we love the story, but if things get a little slow, do we need something mid-season that's going to spark everybody's interest and get them talking about it? Nobody was talking about Boba Fett come episode three or four. Now, here's the thing. Again, a lot of people did like episode two, but they thought, okay, episode three, four, a little slow, not sure I'm going to make the entire run of this series. Then you get episode five, The Return of the Mandalorian. Now, while I do stand by my valid points that my son pointed out, Matt, which, you know, I don't think Boba Fett necessarily has to be there. By giving an entire episode of The Mandalorian, it just really kind of almost passes the buck because then what are you more excited about? Now I'm more excited about seeing Mandalorian season three than I am the conclusion of the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that's one of the things where what I'm watching now, and I won't talk too much about the latest episode because I know you haven't seen it, even though if you even get close to social media, you're going to see everything that, that happened. There is, there's no spoiler-free zone on social media as far as what happens in this latest episode, uh, which, which again, even backs up the point of the hijacking. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does make me excited, but I'm also a little disappointed because I wanted to wait until the new season of The Mandalorian to see this. Uh, I understand they're setting it up for something. Something's going to go down where the Mandalorian and Boba Fett's team have to go against the Pikes and the Syndicate and everything going on. I know that. I just feel like, especially with this last episode, as amazing as it was, it felt like it was in the wrong place. And and, and it's a catch-22. I loved it as a watcher, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, I feel like this isn't where we're supposed to get this. It would be interesting to know, and again, I don't know, maybe this is or is not the case, if the Book of Boba Fett was mainly used as a transition from a certain point in time into The Mandalorian Season 3 and Boba Fett was just a vehicle to get there. What are your thoughts, Matt? You know, it is, and and you're right. That's how it feels like, and maybe they mistitled it. Instead of the Book of Boba Fett, they could have called it the the Streets of Tatooine or the Sands of Tatooine, where everything that we're seeing is taking place there, but they're able to then bring in and do whatever storyline they want 
Um, because I, I love Boba Fett. I mean, if you watched Under the Helmet, you get an idea of why he's only. I did. It was great behind the scenes. Yeah, so amazing. So, but I, but I feel like I, we needed that. This is his story. So again, I love the last two episodes. Don't get me wrong; they're my favorite two episodes. I just feel bad for Boba Fett. He's laying over there in his water tank, and somebody else is tearing into the series right now. Well, we will see how the series rounds out, and I am excited about the end of the series and also about The Mandalorian Season 3 when that kicks off. You know, we're not going to get too much into Picard Season 2. The trailer just dropped. I'm lights out, ecstatic about it. Anything Patrick Stewart and one of my all-time favorite actors is something I'm very much looking forward to, including John Delancey as the returning Q. You're not a big Star Trek fan. I know your wife is. Maybe she'll be getting into this as well, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Again, and in watching the trailer, I felt like if I was, it felt like somebody who would watch the Book of Boba Fett and have never seen Star Wars or the Clone Wars, they'd be like, this looks really cool, but I don't know who these characters are. I don't know what emotions to feel seeing these people on the screen interacting. That's kind of how I felt about the Picard trailer, where it looks great. I'm sure it's going to be intriguing. I just don't have enough invested to be emotionally attached. I get it. But if you want to see the return of the Borg, of Guinan, of Brett Spiner, one of the most iconic character actors as a brand new character, and also the legendary Q, John Delancey, check out Picard season two. I think it drops in March. Check out the trailer on YouTube, somewhere online. And hopefully by then I can get Matt more semi-interested in binging Star Trek. And hey, you never know. Matt, I know let's end the show on this note. What else have you been watching? What's exciting in the world of Matt Mungle? I know I was seeing your review on the entertainmentanswer.com about the last night in Soho. Anything else going on that you have loved to watch? We're watching The Gilded Age on HBO Max. It's a new series. It's two two in it's done by the people who did Downton Abbey so it's really cool it's set in New York about the same time that Downton Abbey took place and it's you know the upstairs downstairs feel so we're watching that uh, 1883 on on Paramount the the prequel to the Yellowstone franchise it talks about the the uh, the family and how they get up there and it's a uh, you know this Sam Elliott leading these people through an untamed Texas Oklahoma up into Montana. So we've been watching that series. Uh, so there's just a lot out. There's a lot to binge right now. And we're Was last night it. in Soho good? Because I've heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah, if you love Edgar Wright, if you love Baby Driver, you know what he does with a movie when it comes to music and sound. Um, it was. It just now released on 4K Blu-ray DVD. That's why you're kind of seeing it now. You can watch it pretty much wherever. I just love Taylor Joy from The Queen's Gambit. So that's what intrigued me. Yeah, yeah, watch it and see. It's hard. It's going to be for different audiences because it takes a turn halfway through the film and, and it becomes another movie. But, man, it looks sound, the music, the acting. Both of the the, the, the main actresses in this are fantastic. So uh, it, it's a hard R. So, you know, you know that going in. Uh, I want people to be prepared for that because of language and violence and some other things that take place. But, man, it is uh, it is from the mind of Edgar Wright, and it's a visually stunning film that uh, I think should be seen if you like that, that type of film. Excellent. And I'm glad you made that preface. So if that's definitely not your cup of tea, look elsewhere. And there's a lot of other family-friendly movies out. You can check out what is good at theentertainmentanswer.com. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Matt. We will check in, see if you've begun the 98th viewing of The Matrix Resurrections. Always a pleasure, my friend. And maybe don't hold your breath, though. Uh, I'm not holding my breath, that's for sure. For all time, always, Matt. And coming up, it's the entertainmentanswer.com across the Salem Radio Network. Stay tuned for that. Mungleshow.com on the socials, Instagram, Mungle Show, Twitter, The Mungle. And we'll have back 
Matt Mungle for 15 more minutes of Mungle Not Fame coming up in the very near future.